Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Koshi here. Before we get into this episode of The Call, I've got a favor to ask. The bigger the Ausbiz audience, the more we can invest in great content and keep providing quality investment ideas to you for free. If you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review of the call in the Apple podcast app, it'll help keep our tribe growing. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Hello, welcome back to Ausbiz. Great to have your company on this Friday afternoon. Uh, this is a program we call The Call for the next 60 minutes. We analyze 10 stocks that you've sent through to us for adjudication from our expert panel. I throw out a stock of the day. We do it all in 60 minutes. It's a lot of fun. And the team today, led by Adam Dawes from Shores. Adam, Led. how are you? I'm oh, well, no. thank you. No, well... Sort of setting a mild pace. Adam Dawes from Shores. How are you? I'm ready. I'm ready. How's your week been? Really good. Okay. Markets are up. Clients are happy. I know. I'm happy. Well, they should be happy. Absolutely. James Rosenberg from Bayviews is with us. James, how are you? I'm well. Adam Adam, Adam might be leading at the moment, but uh, we'll see who breasts the tape in an hour's time. (laughs) Ah, there you go. The The challenge is on. Uh, Clients happy? Yeah, it's been a pretty good year. So. Been a really good year, and uh, I'll just look at the super ratings, um, uh, super fund performance for May. And if they keep going or just hold from where they are uh, this week, it will be the second best superannuation year in terms of performance since wow. uh, compulsory superannuation. Was so, off a very low base 28 years ago, yeah, off a very low base. I've often said that the best advice I give to clients is when I tell them not to do things. Right. And during the depth of the pandemic last year, fortunately, I was talking to people who out of selling, who were getting panicked by some of the right. more breathless reporting. Uh, yeah. Hello, Norman Swan. And, um, <laughs> and that, I think, is as much as anything yeah. I've done in the last year has probably the been thing. the best thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's been amazing. I think uh, the average... Uh, or the medium growth option is going to be up 16% wow. um, for the year and uh, for super. So that, that's pretty good for sort of the average Australian, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Going through uh, it. There's no doubt that the, the market's had a fantastic recovery. Yeah. And uh, let's hope it can continue into the second half of this year. Oh, well, you're looking a bit quizzical there. Are you oh. spooked by the Federal Reserve during the week as sort of well, look, bringing inf- forward inflation and interest inflation rate Inflation is, is the biggest topic and it, you can't get around it and it's going to happen. So yeah. markets don't like inflation. Markets no. don't like interest rate rises. So no. there will be some kind of pullback and certainly our commodities have had a fantastic run and I think you know, the potential there is some pullback as well. I think overall we're going to continue to go higher. We're yeah. just going to have some bumps along the road. No, okay, and shift a bit of focus between stocks, do you reckon? Oh, you want to have 
at any time, but particularly when there's rising inflation, you want to have companies that can put up prices without having a prayer meeting. Yeah. And yeah. you know, if you've got if you've got companies that don't have debt and yeah. they're not selling to a whatever their marketplace that's leveraged, you know, and they've got a you know, good product, service, yeah. whatever it is, they'll, they'll sell through. Yeah. They might um, might have a bit of um, valuation pull back in their share price, but their earnings shouldn't be yeah. affected. But clearly that is the material risk for the markets. It's um, central bankers around the world are very much taking a view that the emergence of inflation is relatively temporary, yeah. but their risks have got to be to the upside. Yeah, okay. It's and and possibly faster than a lot of central bankers are saying. Okay, all right. So don't overextend yourself. Take advantage of cheap money, but make sure it's under control. All right, before we get into your 10 stocks, uh, I choose a stock of the day. I thought we'd have a look at infant formula maker Bubs Australia, which has had a massive shattering over the last uh, 12 months or so because its fortunes were closely aligned with China. Uh, then sort of those trade restrictions came on. So companies like Bubs and A2 uh, have really taken a hammering. But uh, Bubs says it's launching into the United States with a new home on walmart.com with the company's flagship goat milk and grass-fed milk formulas, the main offering. The move marks uh, a new push in online sales for Bubs. Its products currently available only on the Australian site of Amazon. Um, Dorsey, mm, mm. what do you think about Bubs? In fact, um, I'll look up the panel while you're talking. Um, okay. uh, A2 Milk went into the Calls portfolio in the last week. That's good. Because it's been hammered so much. That's they good. Yeah. reckon it's a turnaround story. Uh, well, <laughs> has to turn around sometime, doesn't <laughs> it? Uh, look, no. They look, did say that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. Well, look, A2, yeah, fantastic story. And I own some so at higher levels. So, yeah, yep. albeit it definitely should look to go further. Bubs is one of those interesting ones because Bubs was one of those businesses many years ago that was looking to get that SAMR, which is the Chinese regulation to, for them to be able to sell milk or infant formula into China. Yep. Now, they still haven't got that. And so hence why, and I think, Koshi, you're right, the, the, the focus has changed from China. And I think it's great that they're sort of changing focus to the US because certainly that is a massive market. And their announcement today certainly helped the stock rally on the back of that. But I think this one definitely trades by appointment. So in other words, if it's a good announcement, then the stock will rally. But okay. I think there's some long-suffering shareholders in this one. And I think that that was probably uh, a negative until that sort of investor base does turn around a little bit. I think it's moving in the right direction. But for me, I wouldn't be buying it here. I'd want to see some earnings mm -hmm. starting to come through. Um, it does, yeah, it looks, looks picked up a little bit uh, today. Uh, but that, that chart definitely says that there's still further downward pressure when international people are allowed back into Australia, potentially that might be another catalyst for that because obviously we know the, the digals come in, yep. buy those infant formulas, put in their backpack and take it home. So that kind of stuff I think is something that we could look to, but yeah, it's too early stages for me okay. to get involved in this Interesting, because even at these really low, low levels, um, because it was Mark Morland and Scott Phillips. Scotty. Who put A2 Milk now, they're, they're actually quite quite a good team on the panel because they're very different. Yeah. Sort of uh, team investor, Mark Morland is all about the Berkshire Hathaway model and very conservative. And Scott's a bit more yep. entrepreneurial in his, um, in his uh, thinking. 
but both of them agreed. Yeah. AT had been battered so much, it was still a good business, even without China. Well, balance sheet is better, management yep. uh, has been changed, so yep, and they've had four downgrades now, so yeah, yep. it has to definitely turn around. I think Bub's probably a little bit more on that side, that, um, needs to change its focus or shift its focus away from that China side of things, and oh, that's yeah. what they're doing today, and that's okay. why they're getting a little so bit of love on the market. Line. Okay, James, what do you think? So AT Milk has had a bumpy ride, yep. but it's been profitable. Yep. Bubs has been listed since 2016. It's never made a, in its current form, it's never yep. made a profit. It's raised <coughs> um, capital every year. Yes, they've had some things that are out of their control, the China thing, for example, but they've also had supply chain issues. How's that going to be fixed moving into selling on Walmart's platform? Does that mean there come a big acquisition and therefore another raising? Mm. Possibly. No. I don't know. I'd just. I don't own either of them. If I had to own one, I'd own A2 Milk. Right. Um, I can't imagine a circumstance in the current because uh, financials Bubs, of Bubs Bubs was seen, seen as a baby A2 at one stage, yes. didn't it? That yeah. was the story. And their point it. of differentiating goat milk, those kinds of things. I'm old, yes, I'm old enough to remember when Babcock and Brown were seen as a baby Macquarie bean. <laughs> I do remember that as yeah, well. No, I remember that too. <laughs> and I did have a Babcock and Brown fund as well, so... Never again. All right. <laughs> okay, so a no on Bubs. All right, let's get stuck into uh, the stocks you suggested we have a look at. Uh, and James, Mike wants a view on Steadfast, the, the big insurance broking network here in Australia. Yeah, look, it's effectively a bit of a roll-up model, um, yes. as Ausbrokers are. They're pretty defensive earnings, uh, but very, very moderate earnings growth, um, com- at least compared to to uh, um, Ausbrokers, uh, return on equity is not all that attractive. There's some um, improvements in the industry with um, with rising rates is is quite good for them. Mm. Um, it's I can't see much organic growth, so you're really looking at acquisitions, and that's you know been the the, the way that business has grown over time. Uh, I'm not particularly negative on it, but I wouldn't buy it. If I had to own one or the other, I'd own um, Oz Brokers, but I don't. Right, okay. Draw your own conclusions. Adam? Yeah, look, I don't mind this one. I mean, you can look at it on the chart there. It actually looks pretty good. It's sort of hit its new high and then sort of come back a little bit. So it is starting to move in the right direction. Um, I actually don't mind this. I've got 220 brokers across the network. Um, They do a lot of commercial motor and, and, and motor underwriting. So, I mean... That, that itself is, is, is quite large. Um, they are one of the leading motor underwriters in Australia. So I think it actually looks pretty good. Um, sort of, James is right, the, the ROE is, is, is very anemic, sort of 14 and 15. So you look at that as a metric and you wanted something over 20. So that does mean that it's probably under uh, earnings or, or that return on equity. So look, I actually think it looks good on the chart versus the business. I like Oz Brokers as well. But this one doesn't look too bad for me, so I'm going to say it's a buy. Okay, all right. Uh, but your preference in the sector is Oz Brokers. Is Oz Brokers? Yeah. Um, sort of. Do they benefit from this shift? out of growth stocks and uh, steadfast. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like As the insurance in- companies where Nathan um, Somersandaram uh, likes IAG. Um, and some of the big and QBE to a lesser extent because yeah. he said they're so ugly they're actually tr- starting to look 
reasonably good yeah. uh, in a rising interest rate environment. Do insurance brokers follow the same thematic as the big general I, I would, I would think so. Right. I would think so. Yeah. You know, there is rising rates and that's going to play out well for the sector. Right. Um, albeit off a pretty low base. Low base yeah. And you need to raise premiums as well. That's so right. that sort of yeah. picks yeah. things up. Yeah, yeah, I would think so. Yeah. But I the roll-up story, I, I think, is good. Like, I think that's the, sort of that industry has, has always been very fragmented and, yeah. and they're able to roll these things up, get that sort of scale. Yeah. I think that, that sits well. And the risk there's always been is that the two of them, who are the major players, would compete with each other for yeah. what they were paying for, um, right. for brokers. And, and that hasn't happened. They've both been fairly disciplined about it. Mm. The market's big enough for both of them. So, right. you know, w well played for having that, that yeah. discipline. But that's, yeah. you know, that's always a risk in that sort of thing, as so, it is with um, uh, childcare Pacific, centers. Well, child care centres, um, Pacific Smiles and, yeah, and 1300 and yeah. all those sort of things. Vets. Yeah. 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 Yep. Uh, good idea if you do it right. Yes. Okay. All right, uh, Gary wants a view, um, Dorsey, on yeah. Credit Corp, the um, uh, financial group that basically um, is like a factoring business. That's how it takes over the loan books of big financial institutions and uh, says, hey, we'll pay you 95 cents in the dollar and then we'll go and collect Get the all rest. the loans. Yeah. Look, we, I've been a, a, a clear... Uh, I've been liking this one for a long time yeah. and I still continue to do that because Credit Corp in Australia has done very well and I think they bought their competitor's book, I think it yes. was six Macmillan. months. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't, no, yeah. it was... Baycorp. Baycorp, that's it. Baycorp. So they bought that competitor's business and, and got it for a song and that's the Australian side. But really Credit Corp is looking for that US expansion and that's exactly where I think that they're, they're going to do very, very well and that growth will continue and that's going to be a fantastic opportunity for Credit Corp. So it's a buy from okay. me. Okay, yeah. all right. I, 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 even, at, even at these levels, 31, it's had a, had a really good run. Yeah, well, it? it's had a good pullback as well. So it was up yeah. obviously 34s or 35s uh, and then, you know, and then pull back. So, um, yeah, I think absolutely. And that shows the strength uh, yeah. in the stock. Um, for, You've you know, been a fan of it for a while, haven't have. you? I think you put it as I put it in my little super fund yeah I didn't around, get any brokerage back, for that though, back around I? 15 <laughs> bucks so yeah. it went well <laughs> done it and we'll continue I know to do you were lunch for that oh alright uh, done everybody well. heard that yeah everybody heard that <laughs> James what do you think of credit card I really like the business it's yeah. a wonderful business it's wonderful management they're really really disciplined um, as you say they buy uh, distressed debt ledgers yep. um, they buy them for pennies in the dollar they haven't never disclosed what they actually pay but it's widely thought to be about 15 cents in the dollar and so anything they collect above that is is um, is gross profit yeah. um, they operate on the absolute best practice of consumer advocacies you know you never hear about them being in any sort of strife they're not sending bikies with baseball bats <laughs> um, now it's that, a very, very online driven as well. Well, that, what they do focused. is they hire a lot of um, largely out of work actors and right. train them in the way they want to speak to their Oh, really? Customers, Didn't know that. Didn't know that? Yeah, that oh, that's, 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 that's out of work started. actors. Yep. There must be plenty that's, of those. There'd be plenty of them. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah those types of people and, and right. who've got good um, uh, communication skills. And they take a softly, softly approach. They recognise that if you're, by the time you get into Credit Corp's hands, you've probably got other debts. Yeah. And so they take a, you know, a, a, a steady, soft approach. And um, mm. it's been very successful it's over time. The main part of the success is that they don't, um, they're very disciplined. They don't overpay. Right. They're in the sweetest spot 
possible at the moment with their major competitors effectively out of the market. Mm. And as Adam says, the growth in the US is fantastic. They set up a facility, if that's the word, in Salt Lake City. So that sort of covers all the time zones quite easily. And um, they've met every target on when it would be profitable, the rate of profitability, the rate of filling the seats. They're now um, opening up another second center in the US. Uh, The other part of the business is they've got consumer lending as well. And they've got a massive consumer competitive advantage in that part of the business in that they've got in Australia alone a um, database of a million people they won't lend to. Wow. So, you know, that the, they, the, won't lend they won't to. lend to because they've they're yeah. not they're not collecting in the in the collection business. Yeah. So, um, if you're covering your losses in the lending business, that is a very very um, big advantage yeah. in profitability. I really like the company. I just don't see the value there at the moment. I, I like it. I own it. Um, but I think it's expensive. I think if you look forward sort of five years or whatever, you probably see that uh, that the stocks, you know, you've done well buying it at these levels. Yeah. Right. But um, I would, I think that the pullback is um, from very, very high levels. It wouldn't yeah. surprise me if it pulled back a bit more. Um, I, I love it. I'm not selling it, but I wouldn't be buying it unless okay. it's a bit cheaper. All right. Okay. Uh, thank you for that, Gary. Alex uh, wants a view now on another financial company. This one uh, in a sort of bit sexier part of the market at the moment. Uh, Zip um, basically has been put into the buy now, pay later space, but is a bit more diverse as a yeah, they are. financial market. But uh, because uh, they have a buy now, pay later arm, they're, uh, they're in a hot sector of the market. Yeah, they are. And we've talked about this sector before. It's not one that I like. It's not profitable. I get that revenue across the sector is is growing massively. People taking up the products growing massively. Um, losses are narrowing. I suppose that's a, you know, a good thing. Mm-hmm. But there are 2,258 companies listed in the Australian market. Mm-hmm. How many are you going to have in your portfolio? 15, 20, 30? Yeah. Yeah. Why, why wouldn't you have the best of the best? Why would you go and buy companies that aren't making money, that have got huge potential regulation, um, massive competitors around the world that are sort of out of that space but starting to get interested, PayPal for one. Uh, I, look, I wish people well who own it, but I, yeah. there's no way I'd buy it. Okay. And, 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 you know, I'm never going to own, get an afterpay. I'm never going to get a zero I'm never, with, with my approach. Right. Um, and so that's fine. I'm very comfortable with that. But I'm not going to wake up one morning with, you know, we mentioned Babcock and Brown before, these sort of, you know, wonderful sounding companies that are so um, um, highly publicised and inflated in their thing. And then we wake up one day and it's all gone. Right. Okay. Adam? Well, I'm on the other side. I actually think Zip's a buy. I think I love it. I've, I've been an advocate of the buy now, pay later sector for a long, long time. Um, just on the regulation side, certainly Zip has a, a higher level of regulation compared to Afterpay or some of the other buy now, pay laters. And they, if push came to shove, I think uh, the ACCC would look at Zip favourably compared to a lot of the other ones because they do at least two different credit checks before they put somebody on. Um, the signing up, we know that Zip's got a quarterly that's coming up in three weeks' time. 
That quarterly is going to be absolutely fantastic. They're going to kill it. And we can see the share price over the last coming couple of days has started to move in anticipation of right. that uh, quarterly that's coming out. We know QuadPay is beating Afterpay in the US mm. as far as signups and merchant signups. And they're signing up, you know, it's like a couple of thousand people a day and merchants, a couple of hundred merchants a day. Like it's ridiculous the amounts that they're serving yeah. up. The stock has been hit fairly hard with this tech sell-off that we've seen over the last coming yeah. couple of months. But what people don't really understand is that, yes, the share price has fallen, but Zip and Afterpay are basically doing what they do best is getting out there, signing up merchants, signing up clients and getting those yeah. things moving. That quad pay is growing rapidly. That was a yeah. good acquisition. It was. Them. And yeah. we thought they paid a little bit overs when they did uh, to buy it, but it, it is absolutely steamrolling. So, yes, there are the issues of uh, PayPal. There are the issues of these large, even the credit card companies of you know, I got a letter the other day, pay pay in, in four installments. You know, they're trying to get to where these guys have been and credit cards overall have been declining at a rapid rate. So they need to try to do something. But it's the new millennial people that don't, you know, that use these services. And yes, they're not profitable. I, I, I totally ag agree with that. But the market is happy to pay for the potential of those earnings. And Afterpay is probably the best because at 115, it got down to 89, 85 in the last sell-off. Straight back up again. I think Zip is a better play, better business. It's uh, better. A buy. So you prefer this over Afterpay? Yeah, 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 I do. Okay. For, for that regulation side of things, yeah. I think that absolutely is a key. But also then QuadPay in the US is is killing it. And, and, and basically so that's... So a couple of people have said to me that... No one quite understands how successful QuadPay has been coming in the US, yeah. but it yeah. hasn't started to filter through yet. Uh, and to the share price as well, because yeah, yeah it's it's absolutely and and Zip's a funny one when you look at it. and I look at it on a daily basis, and we're trading it. But anytime it sort of sticks its head above that sort of eight bucks, it just gets you know hit back down again. Yeah. So I think there is that sort of there is some selling in there that that, that needs to get washed through. But I think this next quarterly, keep an eye on it, and it's a fantastic trade into that quarterly. Uh, I think you'll do very well. Okay, so it's up nine percent this morning. So it's yeah. had a so, bit of a bounce. Yeah, so this is to this. above eight dollars. So yeah. you're saying if it stays above eight dollars, that will be a good sign for yeah, it. Yeah, correct. If it drops down again. Well, no, it should. Fingers crossed, it should stay above that because you're going to see this right. buying coming into that quarterly. Okay. Uh, so that's what the market's anticipating. I, I completely get the growth in subscriber numbers. I just have a, it doesn't meet my approach. Yeah. So I'm yeah. not saying, totally. um, um, Alex, that it, it, uh, it, you know, it's not going to do well. It's just saying it doesn't suit my yeah. approach. I get the whole millennial thing. Yeah. While I'm sort of, few grey hairs. I'm not really well, a, a millennial. What's wrong with grey hair? Uh, nothing wrong. Uh, nothing you got wrong. any problem with that? No, I'd, what's I'd, wrong with that? I'd, I'd, I'd die mine to make myself look more oh, distinguished. Go, right. But I had a horrific thing the other day. Uh, I came into the office and for the first time ever forgot my phone. Right. Left my phone at home and um, I couldn't tell you the last time I paid cash for anything. I just tapped, yeah. the, tapped the phone <laughs> and I rummaged around in my drawer at work and was fortunate I found a few coins. So I sort of um, went and paid for a coffee like my ancestors did. <laughs> I know, it's pretty weird, isn't it, at the moment? All right, um, thank you for that, Alex. Uh, some good analysis there from uh, by James and Adam. Um, Dorsey Sebastian wants a view on Magellan Global Fund, the big yeah. listed investment company managed yeah. by Magellan, of course, with a focus on international investing. One of their biggest, isn't it? It Global is, Fund. it is. Magellan has done a fantastic job of marketing. They've done a fantastic job of showing, and Hamish is definitely at the forefront of that moving forward. 
Um, most uh, Australian investors are underweight international equities. Yeah. It's, a, it's a known fact. Most self-managed super funds are underweight international equities. So for me, getting some of this uh, global fund is a great way to get some access to some really good companies that are out there. And they've got Alphabet, Netflix, Facebook, Tencent, Microsoft, Alibaba, the names go on of, yeah. of, of a good quality. Um, I do prefer buying uh, uh, MFG, which is the Magellan mothership, as it were, right. instead of the sub funds. Right. Okay, because then any outperformance, and the outperformance on this MGF is actually quite expensive. I think it's a 10% outperformance fee right. over the MSI index, and they're charging for, you the, for that about 1.3% okay. management fee as well, which would be lovely to get on a regular basis. <laughs> so for the amount of billions of dollars of this thing, they're making some very good money going forward. So my preference is MFG, just right. like the Macquarie. You buy Macquarie, the mothership, you don't buy the sort of sub funds because right. they all have to pay up into, into yeah. that. But getting some international exposure in your portfolio, this is a really great way. Without, when you're talking about those sorts of fees, yeah, why wouldn't you invest in an ETF? Agree. With much lower fees, Agree. rather than a listed investment company. Like so this. Hamish has no, no go. Hamish has got a fantastic reputation in the market, and he has got consistent inflows coming into his funds. So that that I think is is is, is important. Uh, he has been criticised for holding too much cash and they have missed out on a fair bit of this upward yeah. swing. However, if you do look at it, the Aussie dollar is starting to come off a little bit. US dollar should rise. That is yeah. a benefit for these kind of global okay. funds as well. So um, there's a couple of things. I absolutely agree with everything that Adam says. Um, the only couple of things that I'll add, um, number one, this over an ETF, they're a lot more targeted. An ETF, you get a bit of everything. Um, these guys, I don't know how many stocks they own, but it's, I think, maybe three dozen. Um, yeah. The High Conviction Fund is, is 12 to 15. Yeah, it's quite um, So you're getting the best of the best. Right. Now, the risk with that is that if one of them underperforms, like Alibaba <laughs> has um, yeah. in that time, that it, it affects the, ho the overall thing. Mm. But if the business case for Alibaba stands up and they continue to hold it, yeah, that'll wash through over time. The other thing is, if you buy an ETF, you're paying a dollar for a dollar's value. This is trading at an 8% discount. So you're buying Microsoft, Alphabet, you know, blah, 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 okay. at 92 cents in the dollar. Yep. Um, I think it is um, a fantastic and very easy way for Australians to get exposure internationally. But as Adam said, if, if I only had to own one, and I actually own both, mm. I, I'd own the mothership. Yeah. Right. Yep. But okay. but but um, Sebastian, I have no problem. So with it's a buy from both of us. It's yeah. a buy from both. Oh, of it us. is yep. a buy from absolutely. both. Absolutely. Like, yep. oh, absolutely. Okay. But uh, yeah, I think you do better in that MFG yep. versus right. MGF. You get more volatility. Right. Yeah. Um, but you know that which doesn't bother me. I see that as opportunity. Some people don't like it. But absolutely, Sebastian, I'd be. You yeah. Know, I think it's a fantastic. Okay. All right. Thank you for that. Um, now, James Simone wants a view on uh, Flight Centre, the uh, the big travel agency that a lot of people put in their basket as uh, uh, an opening up sort of story, like all travel stocks has been absolutely hit heavily. It's really hard for the sector, isn't it? Yeah. They're the first ones to go into um, uh, losing business. They're going to be the last ones to come out and yeah. gaining business. So effectively, it's in care and maintenance. <laughs> But it is a really, really good business that, through no fault of their own, has been taken yeah. away from them. In the meantime, they Fa have founder done... Founder-led. Founder-led, absolutely. absolutely. Um, in the meantime, they have 
absolutely stripped costs out of it. They've closed underperforming branches. They've renegotiated leases. They've uh, moved incredibly um, uh, down the path of automating a lot of what they do. When they emerge, there's going to be enormous pent-up demand. And I suspect a lot of competitors will have gone by the wayside. Yeah. Now, unlike a factory that you know, you, takes a long time and expense to retool it, um, you can open up a travel agency pretty quickly, but they will emerge to a much more streamlined cost structure, um, huge pent-up demand, and, and a less competitive environment. The, the question is, Simone, how long are you prepared to sit and have a company that's not earning any money? So my view is if you are looking for something that's earning money now, paying dividends now, you probably don't want to be in flight centre. If you're taking a long-term view with, on, on capital growth and prepared to sort of buy it and bottom draw it for a bit, I think you do really well okay. over time. But I have no visibility on what that time is. No, we're no, all hoping no, we're goodness. all going to be able to travel tomorrow. But So in, in that clump, uh, Webjet, corporate travel, flight centre, yeah, Is flight centre your preferred? I'd probably have corporate travel uh, as right. a preferred. Another founder-led company. Um, they have... Uh, you'd think corporate travel will be a lot more... Uh, will bounce back a lot more than leisure travel. Right, okay. Um, and, and, of course, flight centre's got a big corporate travel business themselves. Yeah. Yeah. But, okay. um, and they moved into corporate travel about six months before this pandemic started. So we were going... We like that corporate travel side of it. They're moving into that. This is a great growth yeah. engine for them. And then obviously COVID happened. Yeah. So you're about to ask me what I think about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you're saying... I'd say yes, depending on your circumstances. Yep. I, I don't know Simone's yep. circumstances. Yep. And by this is no advice. Yep. We never take into any consideration any personal circumstances. <laughs> yep. General um, advice only. <laughs> general advice only. Um, so look, I think you think for Flight Centre, you, you, you've got to look at potentially what Qantas is doing and, yep. and how their travel plans are moving to then to potentially wind that back to something like a Flight Centre. Now, um, Qantas has basically said to the market that they're up to 95% capacity for their domestic travel at the moment, okay? And and New Zealand opening up the bubble, as it were, is started steadily growing as well, or rebuilding steadily at the moment. So look, it looks like that potentially uh, Qantas is doing well in that, in that domestic capacity, but the problem is with Flight Centre, they are the ones that book these big packages to Fiji, to South Pacific, to America, to Europe, and there's none of that whatsoever at the moment. Yep. The other side of it is, remember that Flight Centre had to raise their whole entire market cap again at around about $9, $6, something like that at the bottom end of the pandemic because they weren't making any money and they had to survive. Yes, they've cut costs, they've taken buildings out, all these kinds of things. So the stock usually trades around a $40, so it used to trade around $40. It now trades at $17. And that basically means that as they had to raise their whole entire market cap again, that $20 is the new $40. So you've got to be really careful, uh, okay? Yes. Because the whole entire market cap has been raised again. That potentially means there's a bit of headwind around that $20 mark. And we've seen that a couple of times where flight centers picked up to 20 and then got sold off fairly quickly. Yeah. So don't look at the chart as in a whole because it is very, it is very different because they've had to raise their whole entire capital again. So just be careful. I think with you know looking at that because it was look it's a fantastic business and a fantastic chart but okay. the new uh, normal. What you're saying is yes at 16 and you can be going oh I'd love 68. Correct. But that 16 is really 32. 32. Correct. Compared with with dilution yeah. and extra market right. shares and market cap there. So yeah. 
trap for young players is you look at this chart and you think, oh, geez, it can go to $60, $65. I'll I'll buy some. It looks cheap at $15, but actually it's not. It's sort of the new normal. So for me, um, it's a hold. If you've got it and you haven't sold it, you're pretty much going to keep holding this. There are some people that have some of my clients that got in at the $10 mark and they're quite happy. They're happy shareholders of it down there. Um, I just think that if you wanted to play that travel opening, Qantas is probably the first one or the sharpest Mm, one that you look at because they're the ones that are going to show us the travel details, the flights and how they're working. And then it will go into potentially the the airports, Sydney airports, and then it will come into the flight centres or the package holidays and those kind of travel agencies. So that's how I'm playing. So that whole travel thing... Uh, Qantas would be your well, yeah. It's the pick. first. It will be the first one to move. And the interesting thing is, Qantas, its domestic business has always been the most profitable. Has yes, it? international. Absolutely, has it made it much no, that's money? Right. A lot of prestige. That's right. So but when international program, it's the well, most profitable. Is, is the, oh, yeah, very yeah, profitable. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I just think that if if you're going to play it, hold it. Definitely hold it if you've got it. But you know, there's probably other places to play that reopening trade. Right. Um, you know, casinos is a great way to play the reopening trade. I mean, there's plenty of other areas that you can look at yeah. uh, f- before you get to the flight centres of the world. Okay. All right. Let's just recap uh, first five stock stock of the day. Bubs a no from both Adam and uh, James. Uh, steadfast a no from James. A yes from uh, from Adam. But both of them uh, prefer Ausbrokers in um, in that space. Uh, Credit Corp a no based on it's big run up from uh, James, uh, a yes from Adam, both so it's an incredibly well-run company. Uh, zip a no from James, a yes from, uh, from Adam. Uh, Magellan Global, a yes from both, but they would prefer you go into the, the fund management group rather than their individual funds because the fund, funds manager itself gets all of the fees from, uh, from funds like, like the Global Fund. Uh, and Flight Centre, a yes only if you're investing for the long term from James, uh, a hold from Dorsey, uh, who prefers Qantas in, uh, in that whole opening and up travel sector. Uh, here on the call, we've been tracking our own fantasy portfolio since the 1st of July last year, thanks to our partner Naptrade. Uh, any stocks that get two thumbs up, like Magellan Global Fund, uh, goes into the calls fantasy portfolio. If it comes up in front of even a different expert panel in the future and doesn't get the unanimous thumbs up, it then goes out. Let's see how we're going for the week. Uh, for the week, uh, down half a percent for the month, up 5%, up almost 34% since it's the 1st of day, July. It's well Sorry. done. Good on the year yeah, to date. Going, right. yeah. um, stocks recently added, Domino's. Uh, the L1 long, long Short Fund, RPM Global, Ramsey Healthcare, uh, Medical Developments and Janison Education. Some of the stocks were removed by our expert panel recently, Whisper, Bravura and Home Consortium. If you want to take a look at all the stocks and ETFs in the calls portfolio, go to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. And uh, coming up next on The Pulse, after uh, straight after the call, Michael White from New Brighton Capital. He's taking us through SMSF uh, obligations when it comes to cryptocurrency. Whoa, uh, that would go into the high risk end of your uh, of your strategy document that you put towards your auditors. Um, Mike is coming up at 1.10 p.m. Eastern. Uh, either of you in cryptos? No, I get asked three times a day about it, yeah, but I know. no, I, I know. no. I've been asked once in my... 
<coughs> since the whole thing started. Um, no, I'm not. Okay. I'm definitely with Charlie Munger on the cryptos. Yep, yeah, all right. <laughs> all right, let's uh, get into our second five stocks. And um, uh, Luke wants a view, uh, James, on Index. Um, now, this is sort of a, a mining services company, yeah. is it, that goes out and drills exploration holes and yeah, it's, provides it's, the equipment and it, the fluids. Yes, but it also does um, geological mapping and, right. and mineral testing and all sorts of yep. things. Look, it's been listed since 1987. It's had a variable um, history of profitability. Return on equity currently slightly above 10%, which is really the minimum right. that you know, you'd find attractive. Um, it's been higher in the past. It's been lower in the past. They've had profitable and unprofitable years. I go back to what I was saying before about if you're going to have you know 20 stocks, even 30 stocks in your portfolio, why would you have this one? And and it looks a bit expensive. Uh, you know, pretty fully valued. I don't know the business well, so I'm, I don't put out myself as an expert on it. But not for me. Okay. Um, is, is it one of those cyclical stocks that follows the commodities boom? Like if there's Definitely. a commodities boom Definitely. and a commodity super cycle, yep. as everyone's saying at the moment, that there's going to be no end to it. I suppose more people go out and explore and yeah. use their services. Absolutely. And that's one of, I guess, the key things. And I, 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 I'm not a fan of this one at all. So, But I'm sure, I guess I'm just going to talk to what the outlook for the earnings are going forward. And there certainly is that supportive commodities pricing. That's exactly what happens. But the problem is commodities are cyclical and we're at the, potentially the clock's at 11 o'clock at the moment on, that, on the investment side of things. And potentially that we might see a you know, pullback in commodities in, in the next medium term. Um, you know, obviously going forward, strong results in, in global drillers as well as increased exploration forecasts for all the majors going forward. IMD's done an interesting one where they're renting a lot of their uh, tools and instruments. And so that's yeah. seen some growth going forward, showed a little bit different uh, from some of the other guys. But look, yeah, I, I don't really, I don't like this sector because it is so cyclical. And um, look, it's looking pretty five, good at the moment. Five year high at the moment. That's yeah. that, that sentiment for the, sector. For the boom, the mm. sector is that. Yeah. If you're not in the resources sector and you're not in a five year high at the moment, you're doing something wrong. Right, yeah. yeah. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So it's a no from me. I, okay. I, I, there's better places. All right. Yeah. So uh, that, that leads me to say, if you're saying that, mm. that it's at 11 o'clock, are you suggesting to clients that they take profits on their resource stocks? We've definitely taken some money off the table on BHP, Rio and Fortescue. And mm. it's what, what our analyst is calling fade the rally, but he's been talking about that fading that rally for a while now. Um, I don't think that overall uh, commodities are going to fall anywhere. Uh, it, you know, it, it's not going to fall away. However, I do feel that iron ore at sort of 200 um, copper, and we saw, we've seen copper come off a little bit over the last coming couple of days. The only thing that's going to offset all of these commodities falling is going to be this, the, the Aussie dollar falling. Right. And if we see the Aussie dollar falling, it's going to be a net net and it's going to be positive for the resources going forward. Right. So that's my only thing. But yeah, look, certainly taking some money off BHP closer to $50, $50 Rio mm -hmm. at 120 I mean, Fortescue at 25 it's probably not a bad idea just right. to pull back a little bit at the moment. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. I generally don't like the resources sector a lot because it's highly capital intensive and uh, complete price takers and cyclical. Um, that's not to say, you know, I don't have clients that own the 
the, the majors, um, but if you were of a trading bent here, I'd be taking some earnings off. And the other oh. thing is, particularly with iron ore, at some point in time, that party's going to stop, and it's oh, yeah. going to stop yeah. badly. The Chinese are investing huge money yeah. in infrastructure, rail port um, in West Africa, and we're going to wake up one day, and it's going to be like barley and treasury wine and all those other things, and lobsters and whatever else. Yeah. Um, so, that's with a sort of five-year view, though. Yeah. Correct, absolutely. That, that, that's, that's, a, that's, a that's exactly away. what I was going to say. It's, it's not going to happen immediately, yeah. but as it becomes more of a risk and more on the market's radar, these stocks will start to underperform um, really because of, um, uh, of um, the, um, the, the threat of that being out there. Yeah. And you look at a Fortescue, it's absolutely booming at the moment. And, you know, iron ore at $200 a tonne, they're not getting premium, um, they yeah. don't have the premium fines. It's trading on eight times earnings. Mm-hmm. So that either tells you that it is ridiculously cheap, cheap. or that it's... Yeah, yeah. Cyclical and at the top yeah. of the cycle, and I'd be on the yeah. second view. Eleven percent dividend. Yeah, point. that's pretty good. The other thing, though, um, it, um, it, especially in China at the moment, steel production is quite seasonal, mm-hmm. and we're at the top end of that seasonal production in China. Right. Just to give you some numbers on that steel production, China is producing around three and a half million tons of of steel a month. Now, to put that into perspective, Blue Scope it port in Newcastle. Uh, produces 11.5 million tonnes a year, yeah, right. right? So yeah. these guys are absolutely f- full metal to the pedal to the wall to produce as much steel because it is seasonal and we're at the top end of that season. So that means that steel production might pull back over the next coming couple of months. Yeah. That means the iron ore price might be a little bit soggy. That means that our resource okay. stocks might come off just for the short term uh, in there as well. So. It's still, yeah, it's still going very, very strong at the moment. I reckon okay. Josh Frydenberg and uh, the Boffins in Treasury are cheering it to stay oh. on. Oh, oh yes, yeah. we've saved our country. Well, well, you know, Koshi. Even, yeah. Yeah, well, they had fifty dollars a ton yeah. for this current right. financial year's right. budget. Next year they put up to eighty, I think. Something like that. It's still two hundred. Yeah. So yeah, it's his little slush fund. But as I if we're to him little, get, if we're he not, gets very offended by it. Right? Well, you've got the iron ore slush fund. Don't you? Well, if, if we're not, um, if we're not, um, you know, paying down debt and using it to fund infrastructure and things, rather than giving yeah, yeah. everyone a tax cut for a new television or car, yeah. we are. Oh, I think, think that's shooting right, ourselves in do. the foot. And the other uh, with those job figures coming out yesterday as well with job creation, he was telling me that as a general rule of thumb, uh, uh, 200,000 jobs created adds $5 billion to the budget bottom line. Wow. Uh, So that's because you have that amount of people coming off uh, welfare support and paying tax. Yep, absolutely. $5 billion. Yeah, yeah. uh, He just dropped that in an interview that I, I did with him and I thought, Oh, that's a really yeah. catchy sort I'll of use number that one. to actually know. Yeah, um, all right, let's move on. Right. Um, Matt wants a view on Integrative Research, the uh, uh, the computer company. Um, look, I'm not actually sure what it does too much, but it's in 60 countries. Uh, sales of uh, USA, UK, Germany, Singapore, Australia. Um, um, through It does big end of town computer yeah. networks. Yeah, so. so it's a no. From me, um, it, the one it's illiquid, uh, and two, if you look, we'll, we'll look at the chart in a second. It's actually below uh, post-COVID or pre-COVID, post-COVID lows. Yep, it's what I'm trying to say. Uh, yeah, no, this thing um, is 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 in a bit of trouble at the moment, and um, 
So, yeah, for me, it's a no. We'll get on and move yeah. on with that one. John? I own it, and um, it is the standout underperformer in my portfolio. And um, what they do is they have um, diagnostic software for critical IT systems. Right. And it's really interesting. They're in you know, a thousand companies in 60 different countries, and yet their revenue is only 100 million. Right. So what that suggests to me, but it tends to be really sticky. These customers have been yeah. there a long, long time. Because they're big end of town people and government. Absolutely. Big, yeah. um, you know, uh, banks and telecommunication yeah. companies and stock exchanges Protects and so forth. Protects their systems. All that sort of stuff. It, yeah. it, it, it alerts them when there's, a, when there's a, um, a, an IT problem, a right. computer problem, so they yeah. can get on top of it. It doesn't fix it. Um, the fact that they've only got $100 million in revenue suggests to me that it's not a big enough spend in any of these companies for the you know, directors to look at it and say, gee, we can save some money by, um, by developing right. this in-house. Right. So it should be a lot stickier. The, um, I had a view 12 months ago, and I've clearly been wrong, that I couldn't see where they'd lose a cent in revenue through COVID. Um, but they've had um, contract delays, they've had renewal delays, renewals at lower levels, um, they've had um, okay. delays in revenue recognition, it's very, very frustrating. To me, it should be really good, yeah. um, but I'm nervous. Um, I like it when you get a really, really good company that stubbed its toe and you can say, this is yeah. a short-term thing, yeah. um, you know, market's panicking, let's, let's sort of pile in while, you know, while it's so out of favour. I don't have that confidence with this business right. because I can't see why they should have lost any revenue yeah. through, uh, through through COVID. It's mm. not a consumer stock. So um, I don't know. I own it. My guess is I think it's v- good value. It's heading towards five-year but, lows there on that chart. But, it? It, you know, I'm nervous about it. Okay. So yes or no? I'm but, not generally a punter. Um, but for this one, I'll, I'll say yes. But it's not going to go Oy! in because Adam's a clear no, so it's not going to go in anyway. <laughs> hedge your bets there, big eh? Big All right. No, I'm not hedging okay. my bets. I'm saying, I'm saying yes. yes. But, okay. I, but I don't know when they can turn around. All right. um, but, yeah, you look at that. But, it's, it's, you, know, you look at the quality of their customers and yeah. the stickiness they've had of them over time. I, I'm, going to, I'm going to have a bit of a punt. But it's, it's okay. not something you're going to commit a big part of your portfolio yeah. to. Okay, high-risk area. All right, um, Ripon wants a, uh, a view on Dubber Corporation, James. Again, another uh, software as a service, but uh, in call recording and audio messaging. Yep, all that sort of stuff. It should be a really growing business. Um, look, been listed for 22 years, and it seems to me their major achievement is, is, um, is um, issuing more capital. Right. Um, they've gone from 3 million shares 20 or 10 years ago to 256 million now, including a five for one consolidation. Right. Um, it's not making money. <sighs> um, rip on if you know something about it and will think you know something about it and want to have a play, good luck to you, but it's not one that I would touch. Adam? We're going to disagree on this one as well. I think it's a buy. You probably know the business more than yeah, me. I, I, I do not yeah. know the business in depth. So we cover it at Shores. Um, look, it's a very interesting business. And I saw them when they first basically brought this business in because I really couldn't understand voice recordings. Um, and until 
I had to get when it was something with a credit card and I had to get my voice re- recording back because they didn't believe what I'd said. Right. It took three months for them to get that voice recording back to us to check that what I'd said was correct. And then they rebated the money or did all that kind of stuff. With Dubba, it's all on a cloud-based service and they can pick it up within three minutes and get that mm. recording back to okay. the person when you do yep. your voice recording and those kinds of things. So when you ring someone up and say, your call is being recorded. That's correct. So it. this right. is the, the, the technology that sits yeah. over the top of that. And they've just what they've done is they've just put it in what is called a foundation agreement, which is basically putting these big, large companies into that on a global basis. Now, Cisco is the first company to put this uh, to get this across their entire network and this controlling. So there is more uh, reoccurring revenue or annual ARR, annual reoccurring revenue going forward. And it is a SaaS business and one of the highest growth profile SaaS businesses on the ASX. Mm. So I think this is a really good business. It's got an interesting side of it uh there's further further catalysts to come on this one it's a buy from me okay even though it's so why do they make money five year high so how do they make money why don't they make money well yeah so there's 222 million of annualized revenue coming in there at the moment so yeah need to sign more of these big cisco clients to get that overall movement going through because I think they did Virgin, they did Telstra, so they've got some big ones in there, but they need more of those guys to come in. Mm. And as every SaaS business comes in, you build the platform and yep. then everything else Very on scalable. top of it is yep. just, is just yep, green. Is. So yep, that's okay. the kind mm-hmm. of thing we're at. And I think the market is probably overpaying at the moment, like to your point, Koshi, at three bucks, looking to overpay a little bit. We have a current price target of $3.23 on it, so I think it's, it's fair value here. Right. But if they can continue to get some of those bigger contracts, I think you'll see the price moving okay. forward. All right. Um, Fran wants a view on James Hardy, the uh, the big building materials and um, group, not only here but also in the United States. Yeah, I mean, the US has been their biggest thing going forward. I mean, yeah. and, and, and they've done it well. And they've done it well. The only thing that I can think of that that is probably going to hurt James Hardy going forward, because I think it's a buy. I think it's a great business, yeah. and and should do well within that uh, overall US expansion. Um, it, it's the cost of their products or cost of those products coming in. Those materials are going high. We are seeing inflation in, in, and in a lot of these uh, commodities that they, they use and they, now. And they pointed that out in their trading update yeah, recently, didn't very they? Much they so. said they're both labour costs and, Correct. and Correct. suppliers. So um, they have to get more cost savings out of the business. But look at that chart. I mean, you just can't, yeah. you can't ignore it. it. It is doing very well. And in the US, obviously, uh, this you know, if we see the Aussie dollar starting to pull back a little bit, again, that's a positive. So look, I, I think this one is, you know, I mean, you've got the other ones, you've got Boral and you've got um, Adelaide Brighton, those kinds of things. But I like the US focus that they've got on this one, so it's a buy for me. Because Boral stuffed up the US and is trying sure to get out of it. Sure Imagine sure the surprise. Yeah. <laughs> but these guys have done it well. They've done it really yeah. well. Yeah. Look, it's a company with a checkered history, but a wonderful present. Um, and we all know the history of it. They've been fantastic in their move to the US and the US housing's booming in new houses, in remodeling. Um, The size of houses is growing, so they're all using more of Hardy's products and Hardy are moving people up the the, um, value chain from from the cement to Hardy Plank, um, Sem Plank to Hardy Plank um, cladding. It's in a real sweet spot at the moment, and Adam's right about the possibility of a uh, yep. of a currency tailwind. Um, return on equity is fantastic. Debt's been coming down steadily. That's all great. I just think it is 
it is cyclical and um, and it's pretty expensive. I like it, but I wouldn't be buying at these levels. Okay, so you have it as a whole? Yeah. Yep, okay. All right, and uh, our final stock. Oh, this uh, is a good one. Linus, you've, <laughs> we kept this to last because this is a good one. This is Fonslock Environment How Technologies. How much time have we got, Cossie? Uh, Linus says has been in a I trading hold so. since September last year. Could the panel indicate what they believe will happen to the share price upwards or downwards when the company eventually resumes trading on the ASX? Now, they're in um, uh, clean water, environmental... Correct. To, um, they basically clean up polluted waterways. Yeah, algae and all uh, that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, and any leakage from chemical plants had a big story of getting into, the, into China, which you immediately think, you know, with their pollution, the greening of China, that, that uh, Foslock would be a beneficiary, but they had issues. I'll start then. Okay, uh, so in answer to the question, what is going to happen to the share price if it does list again? It is going to fall. It yeah. is going to get absolutely belted. Potentially there's an opportunity there for the people who are willing to and, and are happy to take the high risk. But basically Foslock's technology is, you know when you put uh, in a bath, you put those fuzzy, uh, those balls. Right, that, yeah. That, yeah. And that's what it does. It, it foams up and it, and it and cleans right. all of that stuff off. And it, the technology started on golf courses because they put a lot of phosphate and they put a lot of chemicals onto mm, the grass. Okay. And then that, that phosphate, when it rains, goes into the waterways, into the ponds and starts to get algae and they can't have the algae on a nice golf course. So they've found this technology, put all these mm. bath, bath balls in there it fizzes up and it takes all of the, uh, uh, the the algae and the waste out of it. And it can be as, as clean as drinking water. Mm. Fantastic idea. But the problem is with this one is that the directors were embezzling money yep. into the business or out of the business and it basically irreversible from where it is at the moment. And the new chairman has come in, they got rid of the old management, the new chairman's come in and in fact, at their AGM in May this year, it was his 12 month anniversary and the still the stock has not come back on. So they've identified uh, there's legal action that's going to happen on the directors that have actually um, been embezzling money. Uh, that's going to happen. They still need to work on a lot of the China stuff going forward. And if they can, assist, uh, I guess, execute a sustainable growth plan going forward, this business might have a chance. But in the meantime, in answer to your question, uh, it is going to get hit very, very hard, and I would be very, very cautious about going into this one when it does relist. James, so uh, fraud in their um, in their Chinese business. What's not not, not to like about it? Um, <laughs> yeah, Adam's right. I can't add to that. Yep. It's yeah. It's it's. Is it one of those stocks that uh, can you can you get rid of it before June thirty if you? No, so, elsewhere, so there's, there's a website called delisted.com.au. You can go on to that and then from there, and I think it has to be uh, unlisted or delisted for three years. Ah, right. There's a letter that you can get from the company to say that your shares are absolutely worth zero. And, and that's your tax, you sign tax off loss. on that and then you can use that. And that looks unlikely. Yeah. Look at the comments at the AGM. Correct. Um, yeah, they are, the business is not dead. They are um, selling yeah. more fuzzy balls yeah. or whatever yeah, yeah, they yeah, are. Yeah. But it's such a bad look for a company to have. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Let's recap the final five stocks after Adam Dawes has 
Um, actually, confess that he takes lots of bubble baths by the sound of it. Um, With candles. Dusk. Yeah. 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 Excellent. Uh, dust candles. That's right. That's another one of yours. Yeah, like. I know. Yeah. Um, in, index a no. Integrator research. A no from Adam. A punt from, uh, uh, from James, but a big punt. He owns shares in it uh, and has run it down. Uh, Dubber, uh, a no from James. A yes uh, from Adam. But if it can have a bit of a pullback, that would make it yeah, even be better. better yeah. uh, James Hardy, a yes from Adam, a hold from, uh, from James. And uh, Foslock, uh, no. Um, well, it's not so trading. Bit so. of pain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, James Rosenberg from Bates. Good to see you. Good to see you, always great to see you. Thank you. Oh, both of you in fine form on a Friday. And if you'd like any stocks uh, to cover on your behalf, put them in an email to us to call at osbiz.com.au or through Twitter using the Osbiz TV handle. Reminder, all the stocks in the calls portfolio um, at osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. And don't forget to subscribe to the Ausbiz newsletter if you want to wrap up each day of what's been happening. Get Scuddy's View, the CIB podcast and popular videos. Uh, links there, subscribe, osbiz.co forward slash the CIB. Before we go, who was leading at the end? I think you did, James. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Oh, very good. I don't know about that. That's that was a, very close, a close run race. It was great analysis. Uh, coming up ne- next hour, Anto Joseph from uh, Strop Pro joins us to take us through the investment opportunities in structured uh, products. Uh, that's from 1.30 here on Ausbiz. And uh, so there is a lot happening here on Ausbiz throughout the afternoon. We will return after this. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.